When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We are calling West Island and Pete Fairburn joins us as he always does. G'day, Pete. How you doing, mate? G'day, Ricardo. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay, mate. It feels uh, a little bit back to the future-ish uh, this week with, with the All Blacks back in winning form and, and the Wallabies having a tough result over there in San Juan. Um, so I'm not quite as chipper, perhaps, as I was this time last week as, as the All Blacks uh, you know, were staring down the barrel of five straight losses and we were coming off a, a fantastic second half in the first match to the Rugby Championship. It does feel a little bit like normal service resuming. Yeah, well, I mean, I was really surprised. I thought, you know, that that game last week, uh, you guys were behind several times in that game. And the Argentinians are, you know, they're a decent side and they're always hard to play on their own patch. But 48-17 in the second game, I thought it would be close. I thought maybe they they might sneak a win. Uh, but 48-17, mate, that is an absolute hammering. Uh, the drums Are the drums beating uh, for, for, for Dave Rennie's head at the moment? Uh, look, I don't think so. He's pretty popular over here, and, and people believe in in his long term vision. I did see one article saying, you know, it's not too late for us to try and usurp New Zealand rugby and get in and offer Razor a deal now, but that won't be happening. Um, you know, Dave Rennie's the, the man here, certainly at least through to the Rugby World Cup, and um, you know, I, I think hopefully longer. I think he's, you know, he, he has managed to capture uh, the hearts and minds of the Australian rugby public, and uh, certainly the playing group seem to to really believe in him and his methods, but really, really disappointing result. No point sugarcoating that. And, you know, unfortunately, it's a little bit symptomatic of um, of what we've seen from the Wallabies in recent years, sometimes where it, you know, it is one big step forward, um, you know, followed by an even bigger one backwards. And, look, plenty of mitigating factors here, a number of uh, number of players out injured. And, and, you know, when you look at the some of the key, um, key positions within the team, there's a bit of a lack of cohesion from, from guys having not played a great deal of footy together. You had a, a 9, 10, 12, 13 combination that represented um, you know, three different super rugby teams and hadn't played a lot of football together, and that's obviously going to influence the way they perform. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, the buck stops at the team, and, and they'll be really, really disappointed and, and keen to come home and uh, you know, spend two weeks, hopefully, uh, you know, working bloody hard and, and then tend to have a crack at the World Champion Springboks. Well, that's the thing. I did look at that when I saw Nick White named in the starting lineup, particularly given that James O'Connor was at ten. I'm thinking, well, if you're fitting a new ten in, you want it to be as you know easy as possible, seamless as possible. And for me, Tate McDermott's a better halfback anyway. So that was a bit of a head scratch, wasn't it? Well, look, for me, I, I think Nick White's been in, in pretty decent form, and you know, with Michael Hooper uh, back here in Australia on personal reasons, you know, it is a squad that. Is missing a fair degree of experience. Alan Ala Alatoa uh, flew back for a family bereavement. So, in terms of leaders within that group, I, I think you can understand why Dave Rennie wanted to buff Nick White in and have him in the starting lineup. And um, I guess for me, I, I saw that as an opportunity perhaps to start, you know, as we spoke about last week, start with Noah Lolaseo. And, and then you have the opportunity to bring on the 9 10 
from the Reds together in, in Tate and, and James O'Connor later in the game or, or something like that. Um, I, I think either way, you, you know, you do need to lean into your combinations, people who know each other's games and, um, you know, all those great combinations that we've seen over the years that, you know, Marshall and Merton, um, Gregan and, and Larkin, these are guys who know each other's games inside out. So when you've got, you know, really two nines competing for the starting spot, two tens competing for the starting spot, I would have thought it makes a lot of sense to keep the ones together who, who know each other's games best. But, um, you know, that being said, um, you, you can make the argument that, that, that James had earned the opportunity to have another run at 10. And, um, you know, certainly early in the game, um, you know, he started really, really well and, and he looked to have, um, you know, looked look to have got us off to, to a bit of a lead there, um, about 10 minutes in and, and perhaps some slightly suspect officiating. Um, you know, we didn't get the rub of the green and, um, you know, James O'Connor certainly wasn't to blame for the result. I think, you know, we didn't see him at his absolute best, but I, I think we saw enough there to, to say that, that you back him in and give him another crack against the box in a couple of weeks' time. But, yeah, I, I think to your point, combinations are, are a critical component, um, you know, of, of successful rugby teams. It's the cohesion model and the amount of time that you spent playing alongside one each other seems to have a, you know, a, a really integral effect on, on performance. You know, as you said, you're missing a few. I mean, I know that um, you're going to be without Quade Cooper for quite some time, probably six months at the least. Um, what about uh, the others? Who else are you missing, and how long are they gone for, do you think? How long before you can put the best team back on the paddock? Yeah, there's a bit of the cavalry returning, uh, which is exciting. Um, you know, we've been extremely unlucky. Sami uh, Karevi, the other long-term absentee, who will be... And race against the clock alongside Craig Cooper to get back for that Rugby World Cup next year. But um, Alan Alatoa um, should hopefully return after after missing for personal reasons. Um, Falau Fayenga and Dave Perethi, the first uh, the one and two hooker, um, both missed this week with a head knock. Um, Angus Bell, um, you know, in, in my opinion, one of the most exciting um, you know, forward, you know, young forwards coming through in world rugby at the moment. Um, I'm hoping he's not too far away. Scott Seahawk. Um, you've got Andrew Kellaway, who, who was a revelation last year in his first year of Test Rugby. He should be back to the box as well. Hunter Paisami. So there's plenty there who are coming back. The big question mark at this point in time is we don't know uh, when we're going to see Michael Hooper back in gold again. And, um, you yeah, know, universal uh, respect for, for him uh, over these ways for taking himself out of that environment. Um, you know, we, we don't know a lot of the circumstances, and nor do we, do we have to, or nor, you know, do we have any right to know exactly why it is that he didn't didn't feel he was in the right headspace to be able to lead his country and, and represent the Wallabies and, and wanted to come home. But, um, you know, for, for a guy who has been arguably, um, you know, the best Wallaby player for eight or nine out of the last 10 or 11 seasons and um, has led us in, in so many test matches and at a time when Australian rugby has lent so heavily on him, um, you know, clearly the support is there for him to, to come back when he's ready. From a playing perspective, um, you know, he's a massive loss. There's a reason why he's so highly regarded in world rugby as one of the premier um, open, you know, open side flankers in, in world rugby. Um, so hopefully we'll, we will hear in coming days whether he feels like he's up to, to coming back for the Springbok series and, and it'd be great to see him back out there. But as I say, if he's not ready, um, he's got nothing but support. What's the feeling then for the rest of the rugby championship? Two games at home against uh, the the South Africans, and then two games against the All Blacks. Um, I mean, have you had your one win of the rugby championship? Is it, does it feel a bit that way, or do you do you rate your chances? No, I don't think it feels that way yet. Look, it's really hard to read at this point in time. You know, you've got four teams who are one win and one loss, and 
I could ask you the same question if you've had your one win. I think the reality is um, you know, we don't have a great um, gauge on the ability of these four teams at this point in time. We're all coming off um, you know, quite varying uh, you know, June-July tests and um, really it's, it's only the South Africans who won their series and they were pretty unconvincing against the Welsh. So from that point of view, um, you know, it's a case of, of, of really uh, waiting to see which players we can get on the park and, and, and how they go out there. It's, it's really tough to call. Um, one of the major challenges is that we won't play a home test match um, at, at Suncorp Stadium during the rugby championship. Although we lost to the English there um, a few weeks ago, you know, prior to that, it's a long time since Australia were beaten in Brisbane and we know that certainly the All Blacks hate playing here. Um, so, so that'll be a bit of a loss, um, but we will obviously see the Wallabies in action in, in Sydney and, and down in Melbourne at, at, uh, at Marvel Stadium against the All Blacks, which is exciting. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a bit of a strange one, not having a test here in Brisbane. Um, and, and hopefully uh, that scheduling at the moment, um, sorry, not in, not in Sydney either, in Adelaide, I should say, hopefully that scheduling where it is, there's different state governments over here, you know, investing a lot of money to bring these big sporting events to their cities. Hopefully that's not uh, to the detriment of, of banking some important wins uh, because really between now and the Rugby World Cup, Australian rugby just needs to see the Wallabies learning how to win and learning how to win consistently and how to back it up. That's the most important thing right now. Yeah, yeah. All right, mate. Uh, let's turn our attention to rugby league. And, uh, man, if there's a sport that can really dominate the headlines with the off-field stuff, it is rugby league. Uh, Kalen Ponga, um, for some reason, with Kurt Mann in a toilet cubicle together. Um, who knows what was going on? Sword fight, maybe. I did see somebody suggest that. With a, uh, <laughs> they 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 posted their their faces over John C. Riley and and Will Ferrell from that that scene from Step Brothers. Um, but yeah, I, it doesn't look good, does it? Particularly when Kalen has ruled himself out for the season with head knock problems. Yeah, look, it's not a great look, and for a card that. Um Manages to shoot itself in the foot, you know, at fairly regular intervals. Uh, you know, pretty disappointing. Uh, and one of the genuine superstars of the game, I think. Um, you know, people forget sometimes because Caelan Pong is off Broadway um, in, in Newcastle, as opposed to being in that Sydney or Brisbane bubble. Um, you know, sometimes people forget just how much of a role model he is and how much he's idolised by by young fans in particular. There's so many young boys and girls out there running around on a on a footy field. You know, trying to emulate Kalen Ponger, and, and and he's one of those guys who, um, you know, you don't have to be a, a night supporter to love watching him play. He's got a bit of the Latrell Mitchells about him, a bit of the James Tedesco. So, um, a bit another black eye for the code um, at the moment. You know, you, you take on face value the explanation you've been given, I guess, because uh, you know who are we to to say that the idea that he was being sick and Kurt Man was there holding his hair back and rubbing his back and telling him everything was going to be okay isn't exactly what happened. But, um, you know, clearly, and, and, and I'm not making any accusations, but clearly the insinuation is that, that he was up to no good in there with Kurt Mann. And I, I guess, um, you know, is there a broader conversation somewhere around the fact that, that footballers and these young men particularly are, are a microcosm of society? And some of the things that we see... Um, I know you've just celebrated the big 5-0 and I've celebrated the big 3-5. So we're not really nightclub attendees these days, yourself and I, Ricardo. But you know, when you're out and about having a few years, it's not uncommon to see the younger generation uh, you know, heading into cubicles together. And, and you know, it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to guess what they're up to. And this type of thing is happening pretty regularly in society. And we'd be silly to think that, that you know, professional athletes aren't you know, behaving in a similar fashion. 
You're not wrong, mate. We'll probably park that, I reckon. I reckon everything that needs to be said has been said there. Let's talk about um, something that did happen on the field, and that's the Sea Eagles going down to the Titans. I mean, I, the Titans were, were the top eight team last year, and I've been convinced that Holbrook's a decent coach, and at some point they're going to fire. And boy, they fired on the weekend. And uh, that game, that big win over the Seagulls, pretty much means Manly can't make the eight now. Yeah, what an amazing turn of events for the Manly Sea Eagles. You only have to go back, you know, two weeks ago to when, you know, the infamous seven players ruled themselves out of um, availability to, to play for Manly against the Chooks um, as a result of, of Manly releasing that pride jersey, which, um, you know, their, their beliefs meant that they weren't comfortable wearing that jersey. And ever since then, it's been all downhill for Manly. Um, you know, and you... You, you, you can't help but, but look at that game as a real turning point in their season. The sense of togetherness that's been previously there, um, you know, the sense of belief and, and positivity around that club um, that really under Des Hasler over the last couple of years um, have exceeded expectations of a lot of people. And, um, you know, you look at them on paper and they don't necessarily blow you away, but they've, they've been a consistently good club for two years. They, they just seem to have completely gone off the boil. And you can't help but think that, that you know, the the attention that they got for that has had a massive role to play there. Um, really disappointing for them. Um, and a little bit disappointing, I think, for just fans of the competition that, you know, we're really down to kind of nine teams competing for those those eight spots now. And and I guess the question from my end um, is, is whether there's any word where, uh, where the Parramatta Eels actually drop out of the eight. I think that, you know, mathematically that could still happen and, um, you know, the Canberra Raiders will have a big part to play and whether that could come to fruition. Well, that's the thing. You look at the the teams 7, 8 and 9, which is the Eels on 28, the Roosters on 26 and the Raiders on 24. Those three teams play the Dogs, the Tigers and the Knights this weekend. Um, so they would all be expected to win. That said, the Eels, who have beaten the Panthers twice this season and the Storm and the Roosters, did lose to the Bulldogs last time they played. So... I'm not banking anything on that result. I think there's every chance uh, that the Eels finish outside of the eight, given how unpredictable they are, mate. I mean, they've got the consistency of porridge. They're all over the shop. Yeah, you'd hate to support them. They would not be a fun team to support. They were atrocious on the weekend. Uh, you know, held scoreless. Um, and I want to say that for the second time this year, they've been held scoreless. Um, so I might need to double-check that. They were... They were really, really poor. Uh, they don't look like a team who are playing for their coach. There's a lot of speculation that you know Brad Arthur's been there quite a long time and um, has had a really good roster and hasn't been able to do anything significant with them. And there was even talk, you know, going back four or five weeks ago, that he might have to get his way through to a grand final to keep his job. That even you know, losing a prelim, if they got that far, might see him out of a job. All of a sudden now. Um, yeah, we're genuinely talking about the possibility of them missing the finals. I mean, the Chooks are red hot. They're, they're five in a row. Canberra, we know on their day, Canberra can get it done. And Parramatta looks the least reliable of those three teams right now. Um, to your point, they've already lost to the Bulldogs once this season. And the Bulldogs have had a bit of a mini resurrection of sorts under Miss Potter. Um, yeah, the way that, that Parramatta played on the weekend, you, you absolutely wouldn't, um, you yeah, know, wouldn't guarantee that that's going to be a win for them. No, not at all, mate. Not at all. I mean, I know the Dogs ended up losing on the weekend, but still, they have been all right. And, and Paris seem to have uh, a real uh, blind spot when it comes to smaller teams. Cause I think they lost to the Tigers this season as well. Um, and, yet, you know, like I said, I've talked about who they've beaten. So to do that, it just makes no sense whatsoever to me. But um, 
they uh, they are a team that feels like he's being undermined, Brad Arthur, from within, uh, and a few people closer to the club than me, because um, I am an Eels fan, um, have said Mark O'Neill is the problem, because I've always looked at that club and thought, who's running retention and recruitment? Because they make some very strange decisions. You know, like giving Gutherson 1.2, 1.1 million to stay a season to stay on, yet letting Reed Marnie and Isaiah Papali'i go, who, you know, fullbacks are, well, Gutho's a good player, He's not getting any young, any younger, and you know you can find a decent fullback just about anywhere. But hookers and second rowers that do what those guys do, very hard to find. So some strange decisions being made. And Brad Arthur apparently offered to the Dragons not long ago. Yeah, it's, it's really, really odd. And, and a lot of people have looked at that that Parramatta roster and kind of said it has to be this year, or you know this is the last year of their premiership window, so to speak. And Right now, they couldn't couldn't be much further away from it, um, you know. And and obviously missing Mitchell Moses massively, um, and young Jake Arthur. You feel for a kid who who's coughing a fair bit. Uh, you know, obviously allegations of nepotism there, or suggestions of nepotism with his old man being the coach, and that wouldn't be an easy position to be in. And you can't help but think it might be, you know, unless you're Ivan Cleary and, and Nathan, you, you might be better going to a different team. But um, yeah. Plenty, plenty of work for Parramatta to do uh, to convince anybody that they are still contenders. That being said, when they turn it on, they they can match it with anyone on their day. So really, from here, we're going to see. You know, I think it's what between the years. Um, you know, what, what's between the years that's going to count for Parramatta from here. And um, maybe they'll make me eat my words, but right now they look pretty non-threatening, and, and I truly believe they could miss finals. Yeah, well, actually, I, I was just going back to check that Bulldog score because I remembered it was a one-sided game. 34-4, they lost to the Dogs. I think that was like the when uh, not long after Mick Potter had taken over and it just really kicked them on. Yeah, it's pretty damning, and uh, that might be the one that I thought was, was scoreless for, uh, for Parramatta. So only scoring four points against the Bulldogs team that, that have had, um, yeah, I, I guess for, for a, a lower-ranked team, Defence hasn't been their number one issue, but certainly conceding 34 points against the Bulldogs, uh, you know, bucks the trend of what we've seen them putting up most weeks. So, mm. um, and mate, I, I must apologise. I've forgotten that you're a Parramatta fan, so here I am, uh, absolutely <laughs> ripping shreds off them. But um, I hope you all think they can turn it around and get the job done. But as I say, right now, um, they are thinking up the joint. Yeah, they are. And after the Dogs, they have the Broncos in Brisbane and the Storm. Those are the last two games of the season. Yeah, and, and look, to be completely honest, if they lose three games, uh, you know, Cam- Canberra have got to win a couple, that'll go right down to the wire. Yeah, yeah, mate, it's interesting. It is interesting. And now, before we let you go, uh, we uh, should uh, talk about Paul Green as well. I mean, uh, that was a it was a horrible news to get that he had passed away and then to, to find out that he had uh, taken his own life. I've heard some seen some articles talking about how he just couldn't cope with life away from rugby league just a surprise that a guy at that age gets to that point and there's not a safety net. Yeah, it's um, it's hit a lot of people really hard, this one, Ricardo. Um, really outpouring of emotion and, um, you know, people who were close to him, but also people, um, you know, Brayton Astor had some, some really interesting stuff to say about his, his father famously uh, committed suicide when he was younger and, um, you know, he said he didn't even really know Paul Green, but he just wished that he'd been able to have a conversation with Paul Green. I, I saw him at Andrew Simon's funeral up in Townsville a couple of months ago. I, I, I didn't know him, didn't, didn't have a conversation, but um, it, it's just really hit people extremely hard and, and again, has just shown, you know, um, that, that this beast of an illness uh, can strike even the most 
um, impressive, the most the most uh, you know wonderful people who, who have achieved so so much and made so many other people happy, but but not necessarily been able to find or retain happiness within themselves and. Um, you know, Wayne Bennett came out and said that, that it was looking really likely that Paul Green was going to take him up on an offer to join the Dolphins coaching staff next season. Um, you know, he had been linked with with possible coaching jobs at, at clubs like the, the Titans, the Eels, the Dragons, some of these clubs who, uh, you know, there was considered a possibility that they might look to go in a, a new direction. And, and he was, you know, pretty regularly linked with those types of opportunities. So it did seem like there were going to be some good opportunities on the horizon for Paul Green within the game of rugby league, but without being in it at the moment, he was missing that, that day-to-day um, involvement in the sport and, and, and that sense of purpose which it gave him. And we know that, that athletes, and, and in, in this case, you know, he's obviously a, a very decorated player as well, but, um, but, but even more well-known for his coaching of recent years, we know that the transition into the next facet of their life is extremely challenging. These are people who... Um, are used to living in the public eye, and they're used to, um, you know, the, I guess the, you know, the the importance of win loss and and getting up for something every week, and that there can be a real void there um, when that's no longer there. But exceptionally sad, um, you know, it, mental health here in Australia, and I'm sure in, in New Zealand as well, it's an epidemic, um, and it's really, uh, yeah, it seems to be that in our sporting codes, um, there's an even greater propensity of people taking their own lives and, and men taking their own lives. So it's been a great conversation starter again. Um, that you, know, you you wish you didn't need to wait for something like this to happen, to, to have men uh, you know, speaking about their health. But just in the same way that we know that after Shane Warne passed away, we've heard people over here, you know, doctors over here have talked about you know, huge increases in the number of, number of uh, you know, middle-aged men going and getting themselves checked out for, for heart illnesses and, and things like that. Hopefully some good can come from this and, and it's going to encourage more and more people to talk and more and more people to consider, uh, you know, taking steps, I guess, to, to try and deal with, with struggles that they're encountering. But, yeah, exceptionally sad and, um, you know, a, a great of the NRL, a great of, of multiple clubs in, you know, for, for different things that he did there. And, um, you know, even just watching Jason Camalolo's press conference after the, the Cowboys game on the weekend, it just had... Uh, yeah, that real raw human element to it, but it, it was really hard to watch. And yeah, as, as everyone else has said, I'll, I'll say the same as well. Thoughts go out, um, yeah, to his family and everyone who, who knew and loved Paul Green. Yeah, indeed. Well said, mate. Well said. Go well, Pete. Thanks for coming on, and we'll catch up with you again next week, eh? Good man. Fingers crossed for your reels, mate. Take care.